Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed And it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The New Statesman. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm Freddie. And I'm Ben. On today's special New Statesman podcast, we're looking at the local elections with early results suggesting the Conservatives have had a very bad night. So on today's special New Statesman podcast, we'll be dedicating all of our time, obviously, to looking at the local elections, which are just to take place in England. As we record, there's still many more results to come in. We've had about a quarter of them so far, so there's quite a lot that we still don't know. We can confidently say, however, that the Conservatives have had a very difficult night. Labour's won Medway for the first time since 1998 in Kent, as well as the Brexit capital of Stoke and Plymouth. Meanwhile, the Lib Dems have really taking the Conservatives' part in the Blue Wall, taking Maidenhead, for example, the seat of one Theresa May and Windsor. Um, Conservative losses at this point stand at about 200, Labour gains at about 130, I believe, and Lib Dem gains about 60, climbing all the time. Greens are also making gains and the independents are losing control. I think we can talk about the sort of often ridiculous expectation management game that comes about as part of all elections and what it means for the bigger contest ahead the general election a little bit later but Ben do you want to give us your summary okay so yeah thank you for having me it's a tiring night having local elections okay so look I've said this this before look you've got 8,000 seats up 4,000 wards this is a big electoral test for the prime minister of the day and I'm going through the results and I'm seeing the response to them and it does hit me we're not used to this we're not used to Labour doing so well without question almost. The winning back Stoke-on-Trent in a way they didn't do the last time they got a vote share was like this, was I think in Tony Blair's time. The last time Labour won in Medway was never. They last they last controlled the council in 1998. The last time Labour did so well in a place at Aldershot in Hampshire was, again, never. That We are seeing, this is the thing with UK politics, this is the thing with the country. Voter groups are changing. Coalitions are changing. Who the Tories and Labour Party rely on to come out to bat for them is shifting. And part of that is people being driven out of London owing to high, well, people being driven out of every city in the country owing to high house prices. And what you're seeing, therefore, in, like I say, Aldershot and pretty much around London is a bit of a revolt against the incumbents. In blue wall areas, it is going to the Lib Dems, but not exclusively. So in Hartsmere, which basically is north of Barnet, you're seeing Labour make pretty substantial gains, particularly in areas of high Jewish populations as well. You're seeing Labour come back in Thurrock. Once upon a time, Thurrock was named as that three-may marginal between Labour, the Tories and UKIP. 
Now Labour are coming back in a big way. That is, a, that is pretty impressive stuff, really. You could say in Plymouth as well, revolt over the Tory council cutting down trees has seen the Tory councillors lose almost every seat that was up for grabs in Plymouth proper. But nevertheless, it was all, it, 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 there was already a national swing against the Tories. The polls, basically... Um, I know we are recording this at, spoiler for the listeners, we're recording this at 10am in the morning on a Friday, and there are thousands more results to come. We'll probably have about, I think, around 20, 20 to 25% of the results in so far. But I'll be honest with you, you look at the polls right now, 15-point Labour lead, the seats, the council seats up for grabs that are declaring themselves right now, not too far off that, really. Labour right. probably does have a 15-point lead nationally. Right, Okay. I think one of the things that strikes me is, and I think it's worth us talking about is just the expectation management game. You had the Tory chairman, Greg Hans, saying, I think it was a week or two ago now, that they were expecting, or it could happen that, that the Conservatives would lose about 1,000 seats. But then you've had experts this morning on the radio, Professor John Curtis, saying that actually could come to pass. And I think if you're in that position, regardless of what comes after that, you've lost the expectation management game because... The, it was picked out by Greg Hans that was, that was going to be a bad night. That would be the worst possible result for them. So the conceptors have lost control of the narrative a bit, haven't they? What do you think, Freddie? Yeah, I think completely. We've not yet seen all the results, as you say. I think Wes Treating went on the TV this morning and said the thousand seat figure, he couldn't tell if it was expectation management or an ambition that the Conservative Party set themselves. So yeah, they are losing grip of the narrative, I think. It's much worse than people expected. But going into it, the big question was, are the polls broadly correct? And I think, as Ben said, that's all what we're seeing at the moment. We're seeing Labour's lead in the polls materialise in places that they needed to see it materialise, places like Stoke and Plymouth and elsewhere. I think what they're doing, in part because it's a, a local election, is they are sharing some of that Tory pain with the other parties. We're seeing the Lib Dems do reasonably well, same with the Greens. So you're not seeing, I don't think at the moment, we're not yet seeing a boat share, which is massively improved on last year, for instance. I think it's up a few decimal points at the moment, but just in terms of looking forward to the next election, next general election, that is, things are different. People look away from the Liberal Democrats, they move back towards the two main parties. I think broadly, yeah, it's a very good night for the Labour Party at the moment. And I think there will be some serious questions within Tory circles. Rishi Sunak, we've spoken about it on the podcast a few times, was supposed to have orchestrated this revival and I think, imagine what the results would be like if Liz Truss was still in number 10. So maybe he has some of the flows that have, would have come out of the past two years, but he hasn't been able to change the fundamentals of the government. He hasn't been able to change the fundamentals of the economy and people are still angry and we're seeing that now. Yeah, and I think when polls closed, just going back to a little bit back to the expectation management, when polls closed, the sort of CCHQ were putting out a line that it, it, Labour was going to be falling behind if it hadn't hit Tony Blair's kind of record local election vote share of 48% in 1995, obviously just a couple of years before 1997. But again, that was the, it's a loss of the, in the expectation management game. If that's immediately within a couple of hours seemed to be pretty ridiculous. And it's, I just wonder how the Conservatives now try to, to get things on the right page for them again. I don't know how they do that. It's, I think it might be a really difficult couple of days for Rishi Sunak. I guess we should also talk at this point just about just how well the Lib Dems are doing. Uh, Windsor, I think you picked out a ward last night, Ben. I think was it Eaton that the Lib Dems <laughs> had taken? Yeah, yeah. Windsor Castle and Eaton as well. Yeah, a lot 
Oh my God. Windsor and Maidenhead Council, obviously, partially represented by Theresa May in, in, in Parliament. Tories were defending most seats. Tories were defending most votes. And they come away with a, uh, I don't want to sound like Donald Trump, tremendous swing against them. Compared to 2019 in Windsor and Maidenhead, Tories down 11.4 points, Lib Dems up 18.5. That's not just, you know, Lib Dems cleaning up with other parties and becoming the progressive solution. That is the Tory vote going. And that's compared to 2019. By the way, May 2019, middle of the Brexit wars, Theresa May as Prime Minister, you had low confidence amongst Remain and Leave voters for the Tories and Labour, and you are still falling further from that. This is the point I often make, which does sometimes annoy me about the expectations management, because you're talking about seats. But what you're comparing against is May 2019, when the two main parties were in the mud, when the Lib Dems were ascendant. So the idea that for the Lib Dems to show strength is to keep making gains does feel a little bit silly. What they need to be doing is just standing still. They need to still top the poll in Jacob Rees-Mogg's own backyard compared to 2019. They still need to sweep it in West Oxfordshire like they did in May 2019. If they're doing that, they're showing they're not just a blip. They're showing they're not just a flash in the pan. And in the case of Windsor and Maidenhead, yeah, slight shifts in Hartsmere as well. Yeah, I was going to mention Hartsmere because that's the Oliver Dowden seat, yeah. isn't it? And it, what kind of struck me about that is that, as you say, it's a fall in the Tory books. It was like the seats that the Conservatives lost to were almost equally split between Labour and Lib Dems. So they're fighting on all fronts at this point. Yeah, yeah, they are losing big amongst certain Leave voters and they're losing big among certain Remain voters. It's the best, it's the worst double whammy they could possibly need. I remember about, I don't know, six months ago when Britain predicts our model, election model, new statesman election model, was showing to be quite accurate because we were calling some by-elections pretty well. And we were constantly, regularly forecasting Grant Shapps in and Hatfield were forecasting that he would lose his seat. Oliver Dowden is not necessarily as at risk as Wellen Hatfield because Hartsmere is just patently safer. But... The type of world that both Dowden and Shapps represents, Deville, Hertfordshire, people being pushed out of London, uh, overheated towns that need a lot more houses than they presently have, they are, we are seeing a, an outsized swing away from the Conservatives in those parts of areas. Housing is, has a part to play with this. The, no solution on housing, you're going to get hit at the ballot box. And perhaps, I think, we are starting to see that by the 25 to 34 year olds who uh, they made up the cor- the Corbyn surge in 2017. We often think it's, it's university students or young people. No, the people who turned out in outsized numbers in 2017 were the 25 to 34 year olds. Those just getting on the housing ladder, those just graduating. And there is a suggestion perhaps that it is they who are beginning to drive Labour's greatest advances in mm-hmm. parts of Hartsmere, perhaps in parts of Well in Hatfield. And, of course, in Aldershot as well. I don't know, but that's the idea. Yeah, I think one other thing that struck me is there are some areas that are still stubbornly a little bit difficult for Labour. I think parts of the Midlands stood out. I think Rishi Sunak this morning picked out Dudley and Sandwell, didn't he? Labour's still saying that they have made gains in those areas anyway. Oh, um, yeah. I think what, one of the things that strikes me there is obviously that's where you have the Conservative Party, Metro, Mayor, Andy Street. Mm. Um, they had a little, their performance was a little bit more mixed in parts of Teesside where you've got Conservative Mayor Ben Houch in there. Yeah. You mentioned, Ben, obviously, that these results are in some respects going, respects going to be set against 2019 when Jeremy Corbyn was in charge and the Lim Party was actually at a bit of a low as well. Do you think the Lim Party's done enough yet? 
Yeah, I don't know. Right. So <laughs> it's hard to say. Look, the Rishi Sunak pointed to the black country. Is that right? He pointed to Dudley and Sandwell. Yeah, as... Sandwell in particular, yeah. Yeah, th- th- this is the thing. The Tories are up a little bit in Dudley and Sandwell on the 2019 local elections. They're up about, about two percentage points on 2019. But Labour's up 10 or 12 points. So I don't think the Prime Minister can necessarily point at that. Oh, we're up. But our primary opponents is up by an even bigger margin. But we're up. He says, smiling into the crisis or whatever. No, I think that's just a bit, that's a bit of a, some silly figures. No, to be honest with you, the swings in Dudley, the swings in Sadwell, the swing in North East Lincolnshire, Grimsby, is perhaps, they're, show, they're some of the smaller swings we're seeing. But we're seeing, still seeing a swing away from them. Labour just barely got the most votes in Dudley. It, quite a lot of work to do, but again, they're up 10 points on the last election. The Tories are up two in North East Lincolnshire. The Tories are down eight points. You know, Grimsby, Cleethorpe's are now down eight points. Labour up 11, but still the Tories have a lead. I think we just failed to appreciate just how far back Labour has fallen in some of their heartlands and how far back they've got to come. Hartlepool, they've recovered in such a significant way. They've they topped the poll. And unlike unlike most of these seats in Hartlepool, we're comparing against 2021. Uh, so Labour's recovery is like 21 points up. On 2021 in Hartlepool, and the Tories down 13 points. It's what was the, your, your question was: Is Labour doing enough? There are still brand problems. I can, we can return to the polling. Really, Keir Starmer is still there's an unknown factor about him. Ahead on the economy, there's still issues. There's still brand problems. Yeah, it's the, the, the party has done quite well against independents, where you where you know if there was a great amount of scepticism about Keir Starmer is, is assumed. That would be a natural home for some of those for some of those people. Some of those people who didn't necessarily feel particularly enthused about Keir Starmer, but the Labour seems to be doing winning votes from the independents as well. I don't know. What do you think, Freddie? I think Labour doing an interesting job, particularly among Brexit voters, among non-graduates as well. As they're some of the key constituents that put Boris Johnson into number ten back in 2019. So that's a serious worry for Rishi Sunak if he's losing. Some of these key remain areas in the south of the Lib Dem surge, then it's concerning when he's also going to lose some of those in the north. So I think it's, it's much worse for the Tories than it is good for Labour necessarily tonight. After the break, we'll be talking some more about the local election results. If you're subscribed to the New Statesman, you can get all of our episodes ad-free on the New Statesman app. It's available for both iPhone and Android. Just search New Statesman on the app or Google Play Store. We'll be right back. If you enjoy the New Statesman podcast, then you'll love our daily politics newsletter, Morning Call. It's a quick, essential guide to the big political story each morning by me, Freddie Hayward and Rachel Wearmouth, featuring original reporting from Westminster and beyond, our analysis of the latest political news and some recommendations of the best reads of the day. Sign up for free at the link in the podcast description. 
probably worth us at this point as well talking about some of the issues that have come up in the campaign. Labour took a lot, a lot of flack for treating it like an, a national election, as in it, it talked about housing, it talked about the NHS, talked about crime rather than things that you would understand a town hall to have more con- more control over. That to some extent seems to have been vindicated and it's probably useful for the Labour's organisation as in its ground campaign and how it's testing issues as they're playing out on the ground. Another thing that kind of strikes me is that the environment's played quite a huge part in many of the town hall elections. Plymouth, as we've mentioned, is, is a case in case in point. Does anyone want to jump in with their observations about the issues that have come up in the campaign? We do know that lots of people do vote on national issues at local elections. Many The local government system is so obscure, it's not always clear which powers lie where. So often we just look at the media and look at the parties as we see them and then we go and vote on the ballot box. We know that through quite a bit of polling already. And I think from Labour's perspective, yeah, they did quite well on that. They know that uh, the NHS, the hospitals, crime have been quite important. And then they threw the sort of the council tax freeze in there as well to make it a little bit more focused on the local government. So I think that has been an interesting tactic. And then just on housing, very interestingly, because that's where lots of the blame game is now happening inside the Conservative Party now. I think you're going to have one section saying, okay, look, you tried to impose housing targets and people reacted against that. And then as Ben was saying earlier, you got other parts of the Conservative Party going, no, we didn't build enough houses and that, and now we're being punished in places, the belt and elsewhere uh, for that. So I think that'll be a really interesting issue to see how that debate develops over the next week. You want to talk about Plymouth things, right? Okay, obviously we know the nation is swinging against the Conservatives in such a way. In Plymouth, it's outsized. So I think I, I think I've said it earlier. Is that in Plymouth the Tory losses to Labour are big? It's a little bit mad. So everywhere in Plymouth voted Labour, with the exception of one area, which was a, I think it was a disgruntled Labour candidate who won as an independent. So Plymouth proper, everybody everywhere voted Labour. It's the if anyone knows Plymouth, it's Plimpton, the outskirt bits of Plimpton. That that was the one place that voted Conservative. Look, the reason it happened though is even though there was a national swing against from Labour, it was the local issue of a council, Conservative-led council, cutting down trees that voters just really don't like. And this is the thing, it it sounds a little bit small fry, but I promise you it's an issue that changes councils. In Sheffield in 2018, the Labour council was was responsible for the cutting down of trees on, I think, what were the pretty much boulevards. Right, and it was very much a high-profile issue, which saw the Greens and the Lib Dems really cut the Labour Party down to size in council seats. They took a lot of seats off Labour in what's it called, Kingston upon Thames. The Liberal-run councils did exactly the same, just cutting down trees. I think I don't know what it was. I think it was for parks or main streets. I don't know. All I know is that the local voters didn't like it so much so that they voted in Conservatives, while the rest of the country was voting them out. And this was in council elections. It does happen. But yeah, local issues can capture an audience sometimes. It can sometimes be about housing developments. About 10 years ago in Ellesmere Port, the outskirts of Ellesmere Port, there was a 4,000 house proposal. The Conservative councillor came out against it. And despite the swing in Ellesmere Port against him, that Conservative councillor held on because of the local issues of housing. It can save you sometimes. And we bods in the podcast studios look at that and think, ah, yeah, ah, that, that must be about immigration, wasn't it? Yeah, we don't have a clue sometimes, I don't think. I think one of the things that Labour will be very pleased about is that it, one of the things that made central to its campaign is was council tax, right? 
pledging to cut council tax, I imagine it's one of the things that really persuaded a lot of voters in Medway where they've seen huge rises there. But that was a big cost of living issue and it helps bed in the idea that, that the kind of tagline for Labour that like low growth, the attempt to be running a high tax, low growth economy, this is, they can point to successes in the fact that they have gone out with a kind of tax cutting policy and it's returned victories for them. I wonder if in the kind of days ahead that they might want to put some kind of rocket boosters underneath their cost of living package because that's obviously seems to be one of the biggest issues in most places. Probably ex- expressed through some of the housing issues that we've talked about. I think it's one of the issues that Rishi Thornton's going to have in the next few days is that a lot of Tory councillors are going to have lost their seat and they're not going to be very happy and they're all of a sudden going to have quite a lot of time on their hands. Messaging their about, MPs. Uh, talk to their, their colleagues in their association about yeah. what, what they should do next, shall we say. So I think it's probably a, a good juncture to talk about the Green Party as well as assumed that they do better in the blue wall and that they tend to take more seats from the Conservative Party. But there's mm. been a bit of a development at this lot election. I don't know if you want to come in there, Ben. Yeah, look, th- 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 this is the thing with the Green Party. Every, every stereotype you have about who you, the, your archetypal Green voter is, throw it out the window because it's nonsense, it's useless, it's irrelevant. In national elections, the three the three or 4% of voters who do vote Green, yes, that you, the stereotype does sound true. They are disproportionately graduates. They disproportionately live in urban areas, mostly Southern, right? But in local elections, we're starting to see that change. The local elections is like a sandbox for the Greens to flex their muscles, show where they can get votes, show what they can do. And they're doing it quite well. Four years ago, they broke through in a lot of places in across England, in, the, in countryside Suffolk, where it was just the Conservatives raking in votes. The Greens came out of the woodwork out of nowhere and they took loads. Now we are seeing a continuation of that. The Green appeal spreads beyond graduate heavy England. It's also in places where which voted leave, which even six years ago were voting in UKIP councillors. The appeal of the Greens is not necessarily political. It's not like just a favourable brand. It's a very localist a- appeal that I think might be reversed or stopped or st- stymied when they get a national spotlight. And that's the thing. So right now, Worcester, which was just saw some pretty decent Labour gains, one, two, three, four Labour gains there. You also had one, two, three, three minimum green gains as well. And the green gains were not from Labour, they were from the Conservatives. You saw in one seat the green vote up 28 points and the Tory vote down 26 points. Right? Where is that vote coming from? It's obviously coming from the Conservatives. Conservative voters feel able to vote for the Greens. And it's interesting. It bodes very well for the Green Party locally. But I would say in a few more years, when the Greens get on the national spotlight, when they have to nail their colours to the mast, when they have to start giving left-wing or centrist or whatever kind of attitudes and policies, it, I don't think it's necessarily sustainable for them. But nevertheless, good day, good night for them. And we should probably mention some of the results that are still to come. And so I think there's the Walsall's still to, to count, Darlington, for example, still to count. And of course, Swindon, where, um, oh. where Keir Starmer started his election campaign. I think probably it's best to go to you, Ben, because you, you, you've been crunching the numbers for weeks and weeks now. So you're probably the, one of the best people in the country to give <laughs> us a prediction. You're so nice. You're such a blur. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Right, look. Like I say, we've got 8,000 seats up, 5,000 wards, 25,000 candidates. We are about a quarter of the way through. A lot more to come. You've got the whole of East Anglia to come. You do have your Swindons. You've got your 
rugby to come as well. You've got more parts of the Kent estuary. You've got the Isle of Thanet, which Labour really should be looking to make gains in because 20 years ago it was electing a Labour MP, the seat of which uh, Nigel Farage later contested South Thanet. You do have Sheffield coming, whole of West Yorkshire, which is going to be very interesting. You basically have the traditional red wall coming as well. Your Accrington, your Oldhams, your Black Blackpool. My goodness me, 50-50 split there between Con and Lab. And as you understand it, Labour have, about six months ago, Labour were renowned as not being very active in Blackpool. As I understand it now, over the past month and a bit, they have really whipped themselves into action there. It's a bit of a surprise what numbers have been given. They think they can do really well in Blackpool. I think Blackpool is going to be really interesting, actually. What would be your prediction for Swindon? Obviously, if you, if a party starts their campaign, they're saying, we think this is what you should judge us on. Yeah, I wrote in my, my briefer piece, which was, look, Labour, this is a must win for Labour. They need to get a majority. If they don't, we need to shout from the parapet that this is a disaster for the party. And I feel like I'm being a bit soft there because I can't see Labour not winning majority in Swindon, it's pretty easy that they do. If they are making gains in Stoke in such a way that they haven't since the early 2000s and they're gaining in Hartsmere and Rushmore and Thurrock, it used to be three-way split for UKIP, of course they're going to take Swindon. Swindon's fine. Sorry to be... The thing with pulses and data journalists, we're meant to hedge our bets, aren't we? No, Swindon's <laughs> going to be a Labour game. Don't worry. Okay, and any final area that you think is one to watch based on what we know so far? Oh, God. Everywhere. Everywhere, mate. It's mad. Actually, some of them are already in right now. Bolsover, Labour held firm there, which is quite surprising given that it, it since drifted, not drifted, ran away from them to the Tories in 2019. Dennis Kinner lost his seat there. Derby could be interesting. It, Freddie covered the rise of reform at a Derby rally. And Derby is perhaps the only place in the country where we could see reform candidates elected as councillors. And that's because, once more, the reform candidates have been councillors for the past 10, 15 years. They were first elected as Labour councillors. They left the party in, I think, 2011-12 over immigration. They joined UKIP, kept winning as UKIP. I think they won once as the Brexit party, uh, and then as a few independents. And then they just defected to reform, and they just keep winning. Uh, don't look too much into that, because it really is just the local councillors having good personalities. It's in Alveston, in Derby. Local councillors who've been there for ages, they take the reform brand, they'll probably win the seat as reform. And some of us might look at that as, oh, Derby, it's the most radical right part of England. No, it's not. It's just the councillors being local. That's it. Yeah, the Lib Party told me, that some Labour activists told me that, this, yeah, they had a list of about nine council areas which were absolutely on a knife edge and loads of them were in East Midlands. I think Great Yarmouth and Dover were among them as well. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to watch it play out. But I think we'll wrap it up then and, and get back to looking at the results as they continue to pour in. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast with me, Rachel Wearmouth, and my colleagues, Freddie Hayward and Ben Walker. On Monday, we'll bring you a special episode recorded live at the Cambridge Literary Festival. The producer has been Adrian Bradley. Thank you for listening.